Hi, I'm Celine Williams, a culture engineer, business strategist, and speaker who helps entrepreneurs and people-focused companies build strong and wildly successful businesses and cultures in an intentional way. In today's episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast, I'll teach you to give and receive feedback in a conscious and human-focused way that works for you. Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or expanding your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. So grab your notebook, a pen, and your bulletproof coffee as we explore the leadership lessons every leader needs to master. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hey there, friend. Michael Tanner here, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much, as I say every single time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the episode. I know you could be doing so many other things with your time. You've chosen to spend that time with me, and I thank you so much for that. I've got another special guest for you today. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, Celine Williams from Revisionary.ca. And she's going to be talking to you about giving and receiving feedback, a skill that is critical for leaders to be effective, great leaders. You've got to be able to properly give and receive feedback. She's going to really define that for you, tell you exactly what that is and how to what feedback is and what it isn't and how to give and receive feedback. So you definitely want to stay tuned to today's episode. I have some housekeeping items before we jump into the podcast itself. So let me let me run through those with you real quickly. As I definitely want you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I want you to ensure that you never miss a single episode. And I do believe most any podcast directory that is your choice, you can find the Rookie Leaders podcast there. So be sure you do that. And then leave a rating and review while you're there. That helps us with the algorithms and the search algorithms to ensure that we get this content in the ears, the the minds, and the hearts of as many leaders as we possibly can. And then I also want to invite you again to the Credible Leadership Community. I encourage you to head over to community.credibleleaders.com. We've got a lot of great things coming up in the community, a lot of great people already in the community, and we want to see you there as well. And so here with the new year already in stride here, we're, we're creating great content there. There's video content. There's live events that we're scheduling on a regular basis there. So I want you to be a part of the community and join us in developing your leadership skills, engaging with other leaders, asking questions, giving advice, making recommendations, all of those things. We want you to be a part of the community. So again, head over to community.credibleleaders.com. Now, with those behind behind me now, I, I want to introduce to you Celine Williams. I was uh, introduced to Celine just a little over a month ago, maybe, and she and I have had a, 
a connect call together and then uh, we recorded this episode and I'm just thrilled and excited to share her with you but also to share this content this important content on feedback how to give and receive feedback again to be an effective leader to be a great leader you've got to master the skill feedback and she really does a great job in this interview to help you just do that but before I jump into the interview let me let me just introduce Celine to you tell you who she is Celine is she's an international speaker and she's the founder of revisionary go check them out revisionary.ca she's from Canada so it's revisionary.ca not.com revisionary.ca and revisionary is a it's a boutique consulting firm providing executive coaching uh, leadership development and culture services to human focused businesses around the world Celine, she's got almost 20 years experience working with growing organizations to help them navigate change and build leadership capacity. And she's the trusted advisor to leaders and executives in a variety of industries. She's, she's sought after for her expertise in accelerating team performance, designing culture. I love that part, designing culture, navigating change and facilitating effective communication. Now, without any further delay, let's get into my conversation about feedback with Celine Williams. Celine Williams, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. You, you know, you and I, we connected a little over a month ago. We had a little connect meeting and we talked about the podcast. And ever since then, I've been really excited to share you and the information you're going to talk about today with the audience. I've just been really excited about that. But before we dive into that, I know we're going to talk about giving and receiving feedback today. But before we dive into that, if you don't mind, tell the audience a little bit about you and, and what you do, uh, especially, l let me say, let me ask you to do this. Describe for the audience what you do around being a culture engineer. Sure. So I, this is probably not going to surprise you. I made up the title of culture engineer. Sometimes I also use culture strategist, but I believe that organizations and teams can create culture in an intentional way. They can design the culture they want. So it's culture by design, not by default. And historically we have really had culture in organizations by default. It's just been whatever has happened, the right people get together, the best people get together that work together well. And you have incredible culture. People love being there. The team thrives. They're performing really well. Everything is ticking along and then something changes and that doesn't work anymore. And there's a new person on the team or a new leader and that all goes out the window and we've dealt with it as an aftermath, as opposed to saying, how can we actually design the culture? So the concept of culture engineer came along because I truly believe in the work I do with organizations and leaders is a lot of it is around how do we intentionally create the culture that is going to serve us best. And this isn't about creating a, I always talk about, it's not about creating these hard and fast rules that apply no matter what. It's about just creating a sandbox. Mm -hmm. You build the sandbox and then you put some parameters in. The edges of the sandbox are those parameters. Here's what works. 
here's how we play together. This is what it looks like. This is, if you do this, it's crossing out of the sandbox and that's not acceptable. But for the most part, here's how this works. And then you let everyone play in the sandbox their own way. So someone in the corner is building sandcastles. Someone in the corner is pouring water and making mud. Someone in this corner is digging and, and tossing sand around. That's fine because they're all in the same sandbox. And that's what I think of culture as, is creating that sandbox. Yeah. So. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I, as well as I do, you have, if you have a team, you have a culture, whether you know it or not, or whether you are intentional about creating it and, and engineering it, you have a culture one way or the other. And it's either that you are intentional to create that culture, or it just happened naturally because of the group of people that you brought together. And I would say the second that happened naturally based on the group of people that you brought together, that's not going to be the culture you necessarily want. And I love the combination of these two words because you use engineer there. And I believe that word brings about with it a the notion of intentionality. You've got to be intentional to first design the culture that you want and then implement the culture that you want. You've got to define what it is or design the culture you want. And then you've got to go and implement it. You've got to take the actions necessary to create that culture. So I really understand and appreciate what you're doing with those two words and, and what you're doing to build a um, well thought out and intentionally defined culture within teamwork. So I, I really resonate with those two words. And that's why I wanted you to explain that for our audience there. I appreciate that. And I, I want to acknowledge that I have a friend who's an engineer who, when I was ranting one day about how I think about culture and kind of the work that this was a number of years ago that I was starting to do and why I thought it worked this way. And it was all kind of intellectualizing and theorizing. And he looked at me and he's, you're literally thinking about this like an engineer, right? Like you, why not just use that? And I thought, <laughs> and so I'm glad it resonates because it's, yes. it's really interesting how for some people they're like, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and I have an engineering background. That's my education. And, and most of my corporate work is in software engineering world. And so that's definitely why it resonates with me. But again, being a leadership and a teamwork guy, I also understand culture. And, yes. and I just understand that it's always there. Oftentimes we don't recognize it. And oftentimes we didn't create it intentionally. But mm -hmm. if we'll be engineers about it, then as you we've talked about, you can design what you want, and then you can implement that culture that you want. So I really appreciate that. And think today, in, in our conversation today, the idea of being intentional and designing what you're wanting to do is going to be a, a hot topic, probably a common theme, because I know we're going to talk about feedback, giving and receiving feedback today. When we connected about a month ago, we talked about some topics and, and both of us landed on this topic of feedback, because I know as leaders, I've been in leadership long enough, I still struggle with this, I know, but then I know rookie leaders, younger leaders that are maybe first in the leadership role, or maybe they've been there for some time, I'm almost positive the majority of us struggle with this idea of feedback and being intentional about it. So I'm excited for you to share your thoughts on giving and receiving feedback as a leader. So I think you're, you hit the nail on the head there. And that is that Truthfully, most leaders struggle with failback, with feedback. They, it's not just rookie leaders, but the younger, newer leaders struggle even more. And part of it is because 
hopefully we get better at giving and receiving feedback with experience with great leaders that are giving us meaningful feedback so we get better at receiving it we are modeled how to share it and noting that is not always the case which is why there are so many very experienced leaders who struggle and don't step into giving feedback in a way that actually works for their people but the other thing is that when we hear the word feedback in almost all circumstances we think that it's going to be negative or attacking in some way Mm. and it's going to we're going to get defensive and it's going to hurt our feelings and all of these things are most people's reaction when they hear the word feedback yeah yeah i think you're right there i I think the initial reaction that anyone has when you mention the word feedback is that it's going to be negative in some way uh, pointing out some type of fault or failure placing blame, maybe even a reprimand. People will have such a visceral reaction to the idea of feedback that they feel like it's going to be a reprimand that's coming. But to your point, and and if we're good, effective leaders, we're giving positive feedback as well as negative feedback. I'm no psychologist here, but I'm pretty sure that there is an element of psychology out there that you acknowledge, recognize, and reward the behavior you want, and therefore you'll get more of it. So as leaders, if we'll use positive feedback, then it comes to reason that we're going to receive more of that kind of behavior if we'll use positive feedback. You're 100% right. It's the it's the idea of like strengths finder, which has mm-hmm. gone, and not that strengths finder is about feedback. I, that's not what I mean. But the reason that strengths finder is such an incredible tool to build performance is because it focuses on what do you do really well? Where do you excel? And how do we build on that foundation to do more of that? How do we operate in a more alignment with that? And feedback is similar. Every leader should be giving positive feedback, positive reinforcement to encourage more of the behavior. And that's a really important thing. Feedback is about behavior. Feedback is not a reprimand, even when it's negative feedback. Uh, It's definitely not blame. And by the way, many people use it for that. And it's a big problem, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point feedback. Any leader should be saying, Hey, when you did this, when this happened in this way, it was, it landed extraordinarily well. And here's why. So you're sharing the impact of it. So the person can go, Oh, I need to do more of that. And it's in the moment. And by the same token, when we're giving critical, like constructive criticism. And by the way, I hate that people respond the way they do to feedback because we use it like it's a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And so part of the point of my point in in saying all this is we have to stop thinking of it as a dirty word. It has to be feedback is information. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, feedback is data for us to grow and improve and excel and find where we have blind spots and where we can do better. It's not personal. We have to stop thinking of it as personal. People have to stop sharing it in ways that are personal. So it's not about attacking. But with constructive criticism and negative feedback, let's call it, it's the same thing. Someone is sharing it with you to say, hey, here's a blind spot that you have. Here's a behavior that didn't work for these reasons. It's not a personal attack. There's nothing wrong with you. You've made it. We all make mistakes. We're all going to fail. This didn't work as well as you thought it would have or it could have. It should be the intentional intention behind it. And I'm giving you this information to help you excel, to help you improve to help you step into whatever the next level of leadership is for you. 
And if it comes from that place, it is much easier for us to receive it. And if we have a history of giving positive reinforcement to someone, we have a history of, say, of pointing out the good as well as the bad, then we have enough trust between us that when I do share the bad with you, when I do say, hey, this didn't work, the trust means that you're actually able to hear me for what I'm saying and not assume that my intent is anything other than to help you. Yeah, that's such good stuff there, Celine. I, I agree with you. And I, I know as leaders, our purpose in giving feedback to someone else, it, it our motives, our purpose in doing that, it always needs to be about making that person better in some way. And it's important when we're giving feedback that we convey that message or that data, as you point out, it, it is, we convey that in a way that, that lets them know, I'm doing this such that you will know and you can get better. You, you know, how we say it, the words we use, all of that is important to convey that motive or that intention rather than, and I think that will alleviate this fear that, oh, you're blaming me for some failure that I had, or you're going to offer some reprimand or punishment to me for something that I did wrong. But as a leader, I can communicate that in such a way that makes it clear to them. I'm giving this feedback so that you can be better. And even if it's positive feedback or negative, look, I'm giving you this good feedback so that you can do that even more. Or I'm giving you this this negative feedback so that you avoid those things in the future, making yourself better. Yep. But then also as leaders, we've got to receive feedback. And you said something in there that I think is very important. Receiving feedback, we have to be careful that we never take that personally, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's And that's one of the biggest challenges is, unfortunately, in most societies, when we are given feedback, it is, we grow up with, there's a right and wrong. There's this way or that way. If we're not this way, we're that way. And there's shame and guilt and all these. So things become personal, right? Like little kids, you're bad, you're good. We start really young with people. So it's very ingrained in us when we hear those things, good or bad, it is a judgment of our character. And we take it, we take that on personally. And it's, we have to start changing the language and culture and how we respond to those things because feedback should never be personal, which is why I say we talk when we give feedback, positive or negative, it should really be about behaviors. It's not, there's something wrong with you. We should never give feedback in a way where we are implying in any way, shape or form that there's something wrong with the person or that they didn't do it the way that we would do it. Cause that is also personal. Then Mm. it has to be about their behavior. And so when we receive feedback, we, we have to keep in mind, this isn't personal because we're all learning unless everyone is a master of feedback and we know that the default is it's not personal. They're giving it flawlessly, which that is rare. Mm -hmm. So let's assume that we're all learning to give feedback more appropriately and more effectively inside of that assumption. Let's also assume that this feedback is not a personal attack. So when I'm hearing it, I'm consciously thinking this is information. There's nothing wrong with me. This is information. I'm going to 
take the information in. I'm going to be grateful for the fact that this is data that I can use. I don't have to accept it. It does. I don't have to agree with it to be able to understand and say, I appreciate that point of view and you taking the time to share with me, to help me be a better leader, to help me be a better employee, to help me do my work more effectively. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate all of that and take that in and not taking it personally is a really key starting point. And one of the things that I always tell people I'm working with is if you're getting feedback and it's not landing for you or you're starting to feel defensive or anything like that comes up, ask a question, ask a question to get more information. So don't assume we we all make, we make thousands of assumptions a day Mm -hmm. in this case. Don't assume that it's personal. Don't assume that it's meant in this way or that way. Ask some questions, not defensive questions, not questions that are like, what do you mean by that? That's not what you want to be doing. That doesn't help the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, such good stuff there, Celine. And I, I, fully believe and subscribe to that idea too, that feedback, positive or negative, has got to be focused on behavior and not the person. And that's what I mean when I talk about how we communicate, how we convey this feedback is it's got to be about what someone did or someone said or that type of thing. It can't be about you never do this or you're always making this mistake right it's not about you it's not about them if you will and that way it makes it easier for the person not to fall victim to taking it personally if you're communicating in a way that it it literally is it's all about the behavior that that uh, someone is doing or not doing maybe sometimes it's be you're not doing this behavior but you should be but again it's about the behavior and not the person But also, I think something that I'd like for you to speak to, and as it relates to taking feedback personally, I I think as leaders, we often really concern ourselves with and maybe study up on how do I give feedback. But I think equally important is this idea of receiving feedback as a leader and not taking it personally. Uh, Now, sometimes as leaders, we're receiving feedback from our own leaders, our boss, or maybe a peer. But other times also, we're receiving feedback from those that we lead, which I believe and and oftentimes is the most important feedback we'll get. But I'm a firm believer that the the manner in which we receive that feedback, no matter where it comes from and no matter if it's positive or negative, and frankly, no matter if it's conveyed well or not, the manner in which we receive that is just demonstrating an example to our team as to how to receive feedback feedback. If we get all defensive and take it personally, we better expect our teammate, our team members are going to do the exact same thing when we give them feedback. What's your thoughts on leaders receiving feedback and not taking it personally that way? I agree. So I agree with you. I think that feedback from the people who report to us is one imperative for us to grow as leaders and to see our blind spots and two imperative for them to practice giving feedback because I, you want to encourage leaders in your organization on your team that feel comfortable speaking up and recognizing there's an opportunity for anyone to grow mm-hmm. if you want to and we should all be encouraging a growth mindset and that's a big piece of it is learning to step into that and you're right. Being defensive as a leader is, it's a big problem 
with feedback, especially when it comes from someone who reports to them. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time because there's that our hackles rise when we think our authority is being questioned or someone who doesn't know everything that I know is uh, saying this thing about me. I know I have a leader that I work with who is very open to feedback and really encourages it. And when he gets feedback from his team, historically, not anymore, but what he was doing was he was accepting it, but then he was explaining in the moment. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't getting defensive. So he'd be like, that's great. That's good feedback. That's really good feedback. And then he would launch into a five minute explanation of why it was the way it was, which then was showing his leaders that it, it, it was, even if he didn't mean it in terms of not taking responsibility or dismissing them. That's how it was landing for them. Mm -hmm. They felt like they were being dismissed and they felt like he was justifying things for the way they were was for him. He was so focused on context that he thought the context would help them understand why it happened in that situation, but it wouldn't happen in another one now that they'd pointed it out and it wasn't landing. So there are behaviors that leaders do even beyond being defensive that they don't recognize necessarily are um, not serving them when it comes to receiving feedback. And that's a really classic one. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my leadership teaching, I teach the golden rule of leadership and I teach it this way, lead others the way you would want to be led. And I think this applies also to feedback, right? Demonstrate for others receiving feedback the way you want them to receive your feedback as a leader. And and so you, you have a perfect scenario there. The guy's not being all defensive, but he's offering up explanation or, or maybe even excuse for the way things are. Ask yourself as a leader, when you give feedback, do you want people to also offer up an explanation or an excuse and then just dismiss it? Is is that the way you want them to respond to your feedback? I'm guessing it's not. And, and if that's the case, you as the leader can't respond to feedback that way either. Here's another scenario that I see often, and you alluded to it earlier. Sometimes you'll receive feedback, you'll acknowledge it, you understand the data that you're receiving, you acknowledge it, and you even appreciate it. But then upon further reflection on that, you make the decision, I'm not going to really take any action. I'm going to make any changes based on this feedback. And sometimes that's okay. But if you don't go back to that person and acknowledge, hey, last week you shared this with me. I really give it some thought and and I've kind of made the decision. I'm going to keep doing things the way I've been doing them for these reasons. I've acknowledged that person and their feedback and acknowledged the fact that I'm not going to take any action on that as opposed to just not saying anything to them at all. Because if I do that, then they make it. You talked about assumptions earlier too. Then they make the assumption that I just ignored them. I just didn't even, they don't know that I went home and spent that time thinking about that. So even to the point of follow-up on that feedback, I think it's so important to demonstrate for our team members because as leaders, that's the way we want them to receive our feedback as well. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think circling back around is more important than we give it credit for. We don't talk about it a lot when it comes to feedback. And I think it is imperative that it happens um, in one way, shape or form or other. However, it works for the person that is the other party in this or other parties in this. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think that acknowledging it 
even to say, I appreciate what you said. I'm going to keep an eye out for it, but I, I don't know that it's a, a, a pattern of mine, but I appreciate you pointing it out. Even something as simple as that can make a big difference. Right. Yep. And I think the other thing is that you're, and I do want to say this, you're, what you were talking about modeling feedback. So modeling the way you lead, modeling the way you receive feedback, modeling all those things, mm-hmm. expecting that how would you want the people around you to receive it or act or lead if the roles were reversed mm-hmm. is also it's super important. And if we think about how we want people to receive feedback, it doesn't have to be that they've processed everything in the moment. You know, what you would like ideally, I think most leaders would like ideally is someone to ask questions to make sure they understand the situation if it's pertinent. Mm-hmm. And then to basically say, thank you. I'm going to think about this. Yeah, totally. So if we as leaders Ask questions that are pertinent. So get an, make sure you're understanding the situation. Make sure, and this is why I often say when you're giving feedback, one, you make it about behaviors, as we've mentioned multiple times. I feel like it can never understand, uh, never um, underestimate the importance of really right. making about behaviors, yes. but also sharing the impact of that behavior. So not just here's a thing you did, but here's a thing you did or said and this is the impact that it had. This is why it didn't work. This is what happened as a result of it. But really sharing that impact is really important. And when we do both of those things, then when we receive that feedback, we can ask clarifying questions. If we're the receiver, ask mm-hmm. the clarifying questions to make sure you understand enough of that to then ha- be able to process that information. And it is one one of the best leaders I have ever worked with who I've never known someone who requested as much feedback as he did. It was really wonderful and something that he encouraged on his team. And his consistent approach by the time we were done working together was exactly that. Get enough, ask the clarifying questions. And often it was around impact because that's not what people are are used to sharing as part of feedback. So he would not in an accusatory way, how did that make you feel or mm-hmm. what came like, so he was very, and then he would say, thank you so much for the feedback. I'm going to yeah. think about it. And then he would come back. He never failed in there in his one-on-ones or to book a one-on-one afterwards to come back and say, I appreciate it. Here's what I've learned, mm-hmm. or here's what I'm going to do differently. Or can you hold me accountable to this going forward? Because it's not something I'd noticed before, whatever it was. Yeah. Such insight you just shared there, Celine, too. And you mentioned talking about when you convey feedback to always include the impact. And I think this is one of the most important ways to ensure that we're conveying feedback in a way that is not personal. Because, for instance, if I don't share the impact, if I just say, hey, you really need to stop giving that presentation this way. And I just stop there. I don't give any kind of impact as to why given the presentation that way is is negative, then the assumption is I just don't like the way you're giving the presentation. And, and therefore, right. I've given you that feedback from a personal motive, personal intention. But if I'm able to convey the impact, then it takes all it, it takes my personality out of it. Right. So it's not about me not liking what you're doing. It's about the impact of what you're doing. So that's super important to convey that impact so that it takes it takes the personal nature out of it completely when you can do that. And I love the example you give of, of the person receiving feedback and being curious about it. I, I like to yeah. tell people, turn on your curious gene, not your defensive gene, your curious gene, right? No. You're really not about asking questions for the purpose of defending. You, you mentioned that earlier. 
but you're asking questions for the purpose of better understanding. I really love that as an example. There's another aspect of this I want to be sure that we cover. Again, I know when people feel or hear feedback, they think negative, they think blame or reprimand or something like that. But I also think there's a, a large number, especially of young leaders, when we talk about feedback, they picture in their mind, and this is probably because this is the way they've been led in the past, but they picture in their mind that once a year annual uh, you know, performance review where they just get dumped on, here's all the feedback for the last 12 months. And, and that's only if you got a good person doing a performance review. A lot of those times, it's just a dump of the last month. Uh, not the last 12 months, even though it's annually, it's just a dump of the last month because that's the only thing I can remember as your leader. But I think a lot of leaders think annual performance reviews when we talk about feedback, and that's probably because that's been their experience. That's, that's what their leaders have done for them in the past, giving them one moment in time every year in order for them to give feedback. What's your thoughts on that uh, feedback as it relates to annual performance reviews? So uh, full disclosure, my bias is that I actually really hate the idea of annual performance reviews. I don't think, and I say, I don't think truth is that there's tons of research out there that show that it, they're not an effective way of improving performance, that they don't actually do what we think they're going to do. So I am not a fan of performance reviews and I think every company should throw them out the window and have a process of ongoing feedback instead. And I'm gonna own my bias right up front. And what you said is really important and I wanna emphasize it. There's also mountains of research that show that performance reviews are based on immediacy. Mm -hmm. And an annual performance review is based on, that person would be lucky if it's the last month as opposed to the last 10 days of what has happened. That is not someone's year. And no one should be given a whole bunch of information once a year to say, here's all the stuff that worked, it didn't work. Now go figure it out for the next year. If you think about that logically, how would that work? If you're an athlete, once a year, your coach comes in and says, okay, so just so you know, you need to run differently and start squatting and building your quads and you need to stop doing this. And that's not working. Okay. See you in a year. What we would not have and athletes would never, no one performs like that. Correct. It doesn't make yes. any sense. Yes. And yet we think from a business perspective, that is enough and it's not, and that's not feedback. And I recognize that there are companies and there are places where that is part of the process for a lot of different reasons. And that's fine. I don't think it should be, but that's fine that it's there. If that's going to continue to be there, then we have to disconnect the association of feedback with a performance review, connect it with your bonus, connect it with your salary, connect it with some aspect of that in your head and seek ongoing feedback outside of that. It is okay to ask for feedback in a continuous way. I'm a big proponent of continuous improvement in all its aspects, and I think that applies to performance as well. So if I have an attitude of growth and continuous improvement, then I'm going to be reaching out and asking, what can I do better? What has worked so far? What should I do more of in an ongoing way? And that is really what feedback is about. It is that it's not right or wrong. It's not once a year. It is me continuously learning and improving and growing so that over the course of that year, my performance is improving continuously mm -hmm. as opposed to staying stagnant 
until I get a performance review, which that one time a year is likely to change my behavior slightly. Let's hope it's for the better for the next month or so. And then I'm going to revert back to my stagnant state because I'm going to have forgotten all of the stuff from that performance review that happened once in a year. Yeah. It's funny because Celine, you and I are very closely aligned in our disdain for the annual performance review. I I, I despise it as well. And I was chuckling here as you're using the athlete, the sports analogy, because I've used the exact same analogy of no athlete on the planet is looking for coaching feedback once a year. And in fact, I'm more a proponent. I see companies moving to maybe like quarterly performance reviews, maybe some even move to monthly uh, performance reviews. But here's what I prefer, especially as a leader. Here's what I teach leaders. I teach real-time performance reviews. Yep. And what I mean by that is if you catch someone doing something good, doing something right, very quickly, maybe on the spot, but if not very quickly within hours or days, you give them that performance feedback. Hey, yesterday I saw you do this in that meeting. That was great. That was phenomenal. Definitely want you to keep that stuff up. Uh, Likewise, if you see someone doing something wrong, again, real-time performance reviews. Hey, Yesterday, you lost your cool a little bit in that meeting. Got to be careful with that. I don't wait till December to tell you that. What good does it do me? Hey, do you remember back in March? We had that meeting. It got kind of heated. That does no good in December. Real-time performance reviews. And then since we're on the topic of feedback and we've talked about how feedback has to be focused on behavior, then that means essentially all feedback is performance review in, in some nature. And so I'm just a proponent here of this idea of real-time feedback as, as close to real-time as possible. I agree. I, I, anytime I, so when I work with companies around culture, we often, I often uh, am, I joke that I bully them into it, but I, I am on my soapbox about feedback all the time and timely and helpful feedback, timely and helpful feedback. Those are the things I was talking about helpful for the person receiving it and timely so they can do something about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a leader that I've worked with who is very conflict avoidant, right? Who she was one of those people that never wanted to step into those awkward conversations. So what she would do is she would avoid giving the feedback to quote, give them a chance and give them some time to improve and learn their lesson. That was the, that was her justification for it. And I think from her point of view, she genuinely thought that was the better thing to do because this way she avoided conflict and they had a chance. By the time the third person on her team was let go for issues that one person as a one example that I always think of is this, she had one person who was, let's call them Mm hot-headed they were very reactive and they would do this in meetings with the president of the company Mm -hmm. they would overreact so at a certain point they could they just stop being able to trust this person's this person's ability to show up and to execute because they were so reactive and they he was let go and it took that for this woman that i'm speaking about to say oh i could have prevented that right right this was avoidable if I had stepped into this in a timely way, as opposed to four months after a behavior occurred. Yeah, I agree. 
And and so the excuse is often, I don't have time. I'll call in a couple of weeks. I'll just wait till then. And then by that point, the, the fuel's out of the fire and it's we're not thinking about it. So I say all this because your point is, we need to step into this as soon as possible. Right. As, as Listen, if someone is behaving in a way that is not working for them, you don't want to stop a meeting and call it out and embarrass them. That's not what I'm talking about. Yep. And there are people who do that, and, mm-hmm. and that's not what it's about. But afterwards, we can pull them aside and have a private conversation with them. Or the next morning, say, hey, do you have time for coffee for 15 minutes? There's so many, maybe not coffee right now because we're not in person or lesson, but, but there are so many ways to initiate that conversation. And if we start thinking about it as, I for those who are conflict avoidant, less about, I don't want to have an awkward conversation or that might embarrass the person or that. If we start thinking of it as I am committed to that person's growth, I am committed to that person being the best version of themselves. And if we start with that, it is a lot easier to step into those conversations to have, to give people timely feedback because that helps them be the best version of themselves. Oh, totally love that. And I really appreciate your clarification there because I use the words real-time feedback or as close to real-time feedback, but there's a time and place. And I totally agree with that. If I'm in the middle of a, a group meeting, there's multiple people, I'm not going to offer anyone, any single person in that group, negative feedback in that group. I'm going to yeah. do that pretty immediately afterwards at the longest tomorrow, but I, I'm not going to offer that negative feedback in that group, you know, that would be real time. Yes, but that's an inappropriate time to offer negative yes. feedback. Now, positive feedback. Oftentimes I am willing to do that in a group right? Hey, that's the perfect attitude. We need that go getter attitude. Thanks for that. I'm more willing to offer that positive feedback. Now, having said that, I, even in that scenario, there are times I have uh, team members that I have such good relationships with that I know that even positive public accolades make them feel uncomfortable. And so I have to have relationships with my team members such that even in those situations, I recognize this is good behavior and I need to give them feedback that it's good behavior. But if I do that here in this big group, it will somewhat embarrass them. And so even in that case, I'll wait till the next day or after the meeting and then privately give them that positive feedback. So I really appreciate you clarifying. I don't want people to take my real-time feedback, uh, you know, literally, it doesn't have to always be that, but it's got to be timely. I appreciate you explaining it that way. I want to um, build on something you just said there, because it it is so important. And that is, as leaders, we need to be asking the people that we work with how they like to receive feedback. It should be part of our first conversation with them when we're setting up the foundation for our relationship and how we communicate. We should explicitly ask them how they like to receive feedback, positive and negative. Mm -hmm. We should be sharing how we like to receive feedback and we should be honoring their preferences because you're right there. I, I work with someone who is extraordinarily introverted Mm -hmm. and he does, he would never ever want to be called out for doing something great on a call in a meeting, whatever the case may be. But in the moment I will text him. Yeah. Because that is his preference. And I will say, hey, the way you presented that was great in this way. Like you could see how it went, whatever the case may be. And he is always so appreciative of that because that's how he likes to receive feedback. If I were to call him out in that moment, he would 
it would not make him feel good. It would not be a positive reinforcement. So please to what you were saying. And that's why I was like, I just want to emphasize this. Let's all be actually learning and asking the questions of how people like to receive feedback and quite frankly, how people like to communicate in general. I appreciate you, you mentioning that because I know a lot of leaders really struggle with this idea of how do I even know how my people want to receive feedback? And the answer is obvious, but as leaders, we, especially young leaders, we oftentimes overlook it because we think there's some kind of magic covert way to understand our team members better. The magic is this, and you mentioned it, ask them, literally (laughs) outright ask them, hey, I've asked this question. If we're in a group meeting and you do something great, are you okay with the idea that I would call you out in, in front of everybody and say, hey, that was good stuff. Really appreciate you doing it. Would you be okay with that? And if they say no, note to self, not going to do that in a group. So yeah, as a leader, when you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I know this about my people? Just ask yeah. and be upfront about it. Don't try to be covert or hide the question. So just literally straight up ask them and then take action against whatever their response there is so important. Selena, I want, before we get out of here, I, I want to touch on one other aspect that I think our listeners may have in mind. Some of our listeners that are, have maybe studied up on this, on giving feedback as a leader and, and best practices and tactics, they've probably came across this idea. And I think it's called the complimentary sandwich, right? Where when you got to give negative feedback, you first give something positive and then you give the negative feedback you need to give. And then you follow that up with something else that's positive. I really wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience your thoughts on this idea of a compliment sandwich. I hate it is my thoughts on the idea. So we jokingly call it the poop sandwich because what happens when you give someone a cut, you say something positive, then you say something negative, And then you say something positive is two things. One, you come across as insincere. You come across as insincere and avoidant because you didn't just step into the conversation and it doesn't ever, it never lands as authentic mm-hmm. ever. So that is a, not a great thing as a leader, but two, the person receiving it only remembers the negative feedback That's in right. the middle of that. Yes. You could have said, you are the most brilliant project manager I have ever worked with. The work that you do and what you output is absolutely a game changer for this business. And when you're using Excel, it's really hard to follow where things are going. So this would be a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we love everything else that you're doing and the way you're showing up in meetings and flawless is flawless. The person will not walk out of there going, I'm the best project manager in this company and I present brilliantly at meetings. All right. they are going to walk away thinking about is I suck at Excel. Yes, totally agree. And it is... Uh, I think that the idea of this compliment sandwich came together to make people who are uncomfortable with confrontation, who are uncomfortable with difficult conversations, I'm air quoting confrontation, it doesn't have to be that way, but who are uncomfortable with conflict and view it as negative as opposed to neutral, this was designed to make them feel better. It was not designed with the receiver in mind. It was not designed with how we process information. 
We need to stop doing that. To what you are saying, we give in the moment, we give both positive and negative feedback. We have to start thinking of conflict as neutral and inevitable. Someone may not like the feedback they're getting. That's okay. That doesn't make it a bad thing. Conflict doesn't have a positive or negative. It, It might become a situation that has some conflict. That's okay because I am doing this to serve them and to give them good information, not to make me feel better about how I present the information. I am not a factor inside of giving feedback. And, and it's so inherent in how people learn to give feedback in a lot of the, and if you read Brene Brown or you read, I forgot her name. She wrote radical candor. They'll tell you Uh, not to do it. Right. Yes. They, they are like, this does not work. It does not work. So let's start listening to people who are doing research now who are yelling from rooftops that we have to stop doing the compliment sandwich. Yeah, again, so aligned in our disdain for the compliment sandwich. I, I agree with you that it was created. I don't even know where it was created, but I can tell you with certainty, it was created for the purpose of the giver of the feedback, not yes. the purpose of the receiver, but to make the giver feel better or, or more comfortable in the situation or something like yeah. that. And and as a leader, that's just not the place you want to be. You don't want to be in a place where you're doing something to make it easier on yourself than on your team members. Because yep. in that moment, just like you mentioned, you'll never come across as sincere. If you're doing something, taking any action whatsoever as a leader for the purpose of yourself, it will never come across as sincere. And I think this complimentary compliment sandwich has been around long enough that people see it coming a mile away now. Uh, yes. It's probably been used on them dozens of times. And so they just see it coming from a mile away and it just doesn't land. It doesn't provide the the help for that person that you're wanting to provide for them. Because as you said, that all they hear is the negative. And to go back to the real-time feedback teaching that I have, uh, I teach that if you'll stick to as close to real time as possible, then you'll always find yourself in a position where you only need to give one piece of feedback because there's another, if I give you five pieces of feedback, well, how many of those five are you really going to remember? But if in real time, I give you one, whether it be negative or positive, if I give you one piece of feedback, then you can process that. You can think about that. You can make changes on that if if necessary. So I totally agree with this idea. Throw away the sandwich and revert to real time or as close to real time or timely, as you said, timely feedback, be it positive or negative, because that's what your your team members need from you as a leader. Doesn't necessarily make you the most comfortable, but that's what they need from you as a leader. So highly recommend that. Yeah, I agree. Well, well, Celine, I want to leave off with giving you an opportunity to share with the audience how to connect with you. Possibly this is the first time they're hearing about you and and the work that you're doing. So I definitely want you to tell them about your website and and all that. But how else might our audience here connect with you? LinkedIn is always a great place to find me. Celine Williams on LinkedIn. It's super, it's very, it's literally a LinkedIn slash Celine Williams. I somehow managed to get that one. My website is revisionary.ca and you can, it's under construction right now, but it's still there. So you can find me there. And those are, and then email, which is just Celine at revisionary.ca. But those are going to be the best ways to connect with me. And I, if anyone has questions, if they want some clarification, I'm always happy to answer 
and do this. I talk about this. I get on stage and talk about feedback. That's how passionate I am about it. So I really am. Please, I would love for people to reach out if they have questions. I'd rather answer it than someone be unsure and create a situation for themselves that is a quick resolve. Yeah. Excellent. I appreciate you making yourself available in that way. And I will include in the show notes for this podcast episode, I'll include links to your LinkedIn and your website and your email as well. So thank you so much for making that available to the audience. And and Celine, again, thank you so much. Just to, just to give you a little bit of feedback on this podcast episode, uh, you did great. and, And I know it provides a lot of value for the listeners. And I just say that as leaders, we're better leaders having spent some time with you today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There you have it, friend. My interview with Celine Williams. I know you enjoyed that. And I know she helped you understand feedback. She helped you with uh, giving and receiving feedback. If you listened, I know you took a lot of great nuggets of wisdom on this topic of feedback from her. Again, it, as we talked about, it's not an annual performance review or anything like that. It's gotta be real-time feedback that you're giving and throw away those compliment sandwiches. Just get rid of them. Stop trying to use all those tactics and and do exactly as Celine was talking there. So thank you so much for Celine for being a part of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Again, as we close out, I just want to remind you, be sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review to the podcast as well. And then also be sure you check out the show notes, head over to rookieleaders.com, check out the show notes there. This is episode number 44. You'll find all the links to connect with Celine there as well. Again, you can find her Celine Williams on LinkedIn. You can find her at revisionary.ca. Or as she mentioned, you can even email her at Celine at revisionary.ca. But I highly encourage you to connect with Celine. But again, rookieleaders.com, episode number 44. You can find the show notes there. You'll find links to connect with Celine there as well. Hey, also in the show notes, you'll find connect, uh, links to the community, Credible Leadership Community. Again, you have to be a part of this community. You want to be a part of this community. So be sure you check that out community.credibleleaders.com or in the show notes of this particular episode, you'll see links to that as well. I want to see you in the community as soon as possible. Hey, again, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope we've helped you with feedback today. Until we speak again, be blessed and lead well. of the Rookie Leaders podcast has ended, but never fear. You can find other binge-worthy podcast episodes at rookieleaders.com. If you liked this episode, please rate and write a review in iTunes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own. We appreciate your support. For more great leadership content, head over to credibleleaders.com. 